Welcome to episode five of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. This is a podcast that seeks to celebrate and share people's incredible stories of recovery after making the transition to a low-fat, whole-food, vegan lifestyle when they thought there was no hope left. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and my life was personally transformed beyond recognition when I adopted this way of living myself after reaching breaking point in 2008 when I was left numb from the waist down from multiple sclerosis. At the time, I was obese, living with chronic pain from fibromyalgia, and my symptoms had progressively worsened since my diagnosis in 2004. After adopting this way of eating, I lost over 35 kilograms, and I'm now living pain and symptom-free, running, having just the best time. I'm incredibly passionate about supporting other people to adopt a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based lifestyle for themselves and to see the incredible impact that food can have on our lives. Food is medicine. In 2004, I thought there was no hope left for me. The aim of this podcast is to spread a new message of hope to those that might think there is none, because there is. This week's episode is with Tony and Elizabeth, who discovered the benefits of eating a low-fat, whole-food vegan diet after Tony was left unable to get out of bed for over 12 months with crippling fatigue. And at the same time, Elizabeth's young daughter was battling the symptoms of Crohn's disease. Since this family made the shift to a plant-based diet, they are living symptom-free and are now committed to sharing their message with the world. I hope you enjoy episode five. Hello, Tony and Elizabeth. Um, Hi, so introduce yourself to the listeners of this podcast. My name's Tony Boucher. I'm a metallurgist chemist with a science uh, background from a long time ago. I'm 50 years of age. These days I'm working as the Australian, Australian Managing Director of a, an engineered rubber company from Sweden and I live a very busy life, one that I wasn't able to live a few years back because of some illness. So um, that's, that's me. And my name's Elizabeth. Thank Bouncer. you, Tony. And I am married to Tony and I have been a nurse for 26 years. Uh, registered nurse and found a plant-based diet four years ago when we had some chronic illness in our family and now we don't. That is so awesome. I can't wait to hear the dig juicy details of your story. So do you want to just start and go right into the... Elizabeth heard this story a thousand times so she's just said that we'll be here all night. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, as I say, I'm a scientist by background. Since my mid-twenties, I've been in quite senior business management roles, living a pretty high-stress life, working long hours, drinking lots of coffee, eating whatever, drinking plenty of uh, alcohol as well, just to top it off. I seemed to function pretty well for a lot of years. I did get, uh, I managed to get gout when I was in my early thirties. I think it was probably not long after that I had the standard high cholesterol diagnosis. So I was taking medications for preventing gout and for cholesterol, statin drugs for the cholesterol-lowering concepts. And I also, in my 30s, um, had very bad acid reflux problems. So I was taking medications to prevent that as well. By the time I got to 44, I think I was, so this was six years ago. Well, in fact, in the few years leading up to that, as I say, I worked pretty hard and I would end up crashing every so often, but probably three or four times a year. 
And I went to the doctors quite regularly during the, the early years of that happening to try and understand what was wrong. And of course, had all the blood tests and they never came up with anything. So my assumption was that, you know, I just worked myself too hard and that my body was saying that uh, you need a rest now. So I'd end up sleeping for, I don't know, two to five days probably. And then I would come good and I'd go back to work like nothing had happened. Eventually, I didn't bother going to the doctor after a while because they had nothing to tell me. Mm. And I just, you know, assumed that I would come good each time. So that was probably happening for about five or six years, something like that. And then I got to 44. We went out to a friend's 50th birthday party, I think it was. We used to drink bourbon back in those days. And it was dark outside and we were pour- I was pouring bourbon into a glass with lots of ice. Long story short, I drank three quarters of a bottle of bourbon uh, in pretty quick time and I didn't actually realise until I was fasted and Lizzie had to bring me home and woke up the next day and didn't feel good but I expected you know to feel that way and I never got better. I ended up in bed at that time for about a week and then I thought okay I'm feeling okay so I tried to go to work and I think I lasted about half a day. It felt like someone had pulled the power plug out and just you know I just had like a severe energy crash so I came home and then I think I tried another week later to go to work same thing happened so I was going to see doctors again to try and understand what was going wrong because you know this had happened before but I'm not seeming to get better like I did before again a raft of blood tests and I, I, I got sent to a few specialists I can't I can't quite remember exactly exactly who and what I went and had done now but uh, lots of lots of various professional medical specialists and uh, no answers. I think I had several more goes at trying to go back to work and just couldn't. I just, you know, I, I actually went to work and I don't think I lasted a day. My memory was really bad. My concentration ability was shocking. I remember having cold feet all the time. Lizzie used to say I had shockingly bad breath. I had quite a few other symptoms of which now I've forgotten. My main issue was that I just, uh, I, I, I had no energy and I couldn't get out of bed. And so I was sleeping somewhere between 14 and 18 hours a day. And this went on for four months. So my life was zero. I went from my bed to my chair in the lounge room. I didn't eat much because I wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I, I just had no life. At the same time, I, I was working on contracts, so I wasn't earning any money, so there were a few probably financial concerns going on in the back of my mind. But probably more than anything was I started to get to the stage where I thought this was how my life was going to be for the rest of the time. And look, I was only 44. I started to, because I'm a scientist, I guess, um, and I've always been someone with a positive attitude and want to achieve things, not just lie down doggo and and end it all. So when I was awake and could concentrate well enough, I I did a lot of reading uh, to try and understand what was wrong and and how to get my my health back. And look, I went through a raft of different books uh, around. Ultimately, I, I I, I got myself to an understanding that I probably had what was referred to as chronic fatigue syndrome. And I'm sure had I persisted with doctors after six months, that's probably what they would have said because there's no diagnosis for it. At the same time, I was still going to see the doctor fairly regularly, having regular blood tests. I eventually went and saw a naturopath. 
which is something I never thought I'd ever do. Having a science sort of background that mm. seemed like sort of heebie <laughs> science. I went and did that and I found the naturopath probably more helpful because at least she gave me time and she would talk to me, unlike the doctor who had me in and out in five minutes. The naturopath ended up putting me on all sorts of vitamins and minerals and herbal supplements and I would come out of her from her visit spending eight or nine hundred dollars at a time uh, on all these you know, pills and potions, mm. um, and it was at a time when I wasn't earning money, so that was pretty tough. So I, I was probably spending, yeah, the best part of eight or nine hundred dollars on supplements uh, a month, and I was still taking my prescription medications as well, which was probably another eighty or ninety dollars a month. I have to say that the naturopath did get me to try and to clean up my diet a bit. I was still eating meat, dairy, and eggs. I guess what we did do was we cut out pretty much all of the manufactured food and I did stop alcohol probably a couple of weeks after I first was ill. I weaned off coffee as well which was something that I used to really love. The diet I guess did improve but I was still not well. I got better to the point after four months where I could go to work which was as a manager basically sitting on my bum all day it was probably the lowest stress job that I've ever had at that time. Mm. Every day I showed up I got paid so it was important for me to show up at work and I started working half days and then eventually got back to full days but I would come home this went on for two years 18 months to two years I would come home and really couldn't do anything more Lizzie would have to do everything for me what would happen was if I expended too much energy I would end up back in bed three or four days again sleeping fully you know until I recovered and some days I felt really good, so I'd get, and it'd be nice and sunny spring day, so I'd go for a walk. And if I walked too far, I'd end up back in bed for three or four days again. I eventually learned that, okay, the, the goal in life is to go to work and get paid, so don't expend too much energy and just go to work and get paid. But my quality of life was rubbish because that was all I was doing was sleeping and going to work, basically. Lizzie was doing a, a lot of stuff for me as well and at the same time uh, Lizzie's eldest daughter was sick at home with Crohn's disease. It wasn't a very nice household because two of us were at home all day. Lizzie would go to work, come home and then have to look after us and yeah we had two other kids at home at that time as well so it was a tough time. After about two years of just nursing myself I guess it was actually Lizzie's youngest daughter who six months earlier unbeknown to me had said to Lizzie that she wanted to go vegan. She'd been watching a whole bunch of YouTube videos and her mother, of course, being uh, an educated nurse, said, don't be crazy. That's, uh, you know, you won't get all your nutrients, blah, blah, blah. Told her that wasn't happening. Actually, what happened was my sister bought a, a Vitamix blender. Uh, we went down there. Uh, she lives down south of here in Bustleton. We went down there and she gave us a green smoothie. When we got home after that trip, I said to Lizzie, I, th I think we'll buy a blender. I kind of like the idea. Probably the first green smoothie I'd ever had in my life, I'd have to say. <laughs> so we bought a blender and we started making these very ugly um, smoothies with every no vegetable idea. known to man mixed in. It was disgusting. No and eventually <laughs> And anyway, when we got the blender, there was a book that came with a blender about yeah. eating raw foods, basically. And I read that and I thought, okay, this is interesting. But there was a girl in it that had cured herself. Yeah. And then Lizzie's youngest daughter, Emily, was, who was the one who wanted to go vegan, was on holidays uh, in Sydney with her grandparents. 
and Lizzie was telling her about the blender and smoothies, and she yeah. said, oh, Mum, tell Tony to read my book. And I didn't know anything about this book, but she had the 80-10-10 diet by ah, Dr. Great. Doug Graham. Anyway, I read that cover to cover in about a day or two, which is un- unheard of. I mean, I'm a really slow reader. But it had me engrossed in the, I guess it was a simple book, but the science about our teeth design, our hands, sort of ideal for picking fruit, the digestive tract length, you know, all the things that you've you've heard before. And it just made sense to me. I, I'm a logical guy and uh, it made sense. And I said to Lizzie when I finished it, you know, I think I'm going to give this a try. And I had, would read the parts of it as I was reading it. And uh, she was horrified at the whole idea. <laughs> Because we used to go out quite a bit for meals and, you know, yeah. we had a social life of, of sorts back then with six kids as best you can. Yeah. Anyway, it was a week or two later I said to her, look, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a go at it. She was still, you know, didn't want to do it. And I said, well, look, you don't have to do it, but I figure I've got nothing to lose and no one ever died from eating too many fruits and veg. So... I'm going to have a go. So the reason you went, you did it was because you were desperate enough. I was, yeah. I, I wanted my life back. I really wanted my life back. You, you know? desperate. Yeah. Um, it got to a point where he would try anything. Yeah, basically. Mm. And so in the end, uh, Lizzie decided she would do it with me because it was just going to make it easier at home for us. We only had the two <laughs> two girls at home at that time. I think pretty much the next day was Australia Day. Actually, 2013, I think. Yeah. 14. 14, 2014, uh, instantly overnight, we went fully raw vegan. Wow. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> even worse than that, as far as most people were concerned, it was, it was A, it was raw, B, it was no oil. It was mostly fruit. We were basically having fruit smoothies, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with a few salads, basically, no oil. Within three days, I was just feeling amazing. It was like I had never been sick. Honestly, I couldn't believe it. We've got a, a magnetic exercise bike at home, and I just felt so good. I, I got on it, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go for it, and I'll either end up back in bed or I won't, one of the two. And uh, I did 15Ks, which at that time would have put me in bed for a week probably, and I could have just kept going and going and going. I, I didn't even huff and puff, which I used to do all the time. You know, we've, even now we're still overweight. Uh, we, we're losing weight. Uh, now finally um yeah look I, I was just amazed um and i just got better and better so on day seven and i meanwhile this got me interested so i'm reading more and more and we're on facebook and various other things and, and we found all the plant-based doctors we found plant a lot of plant-based doctors uh on the, the web and youtube and That's wherever else and, and we were just laughing you know just couldn't get enough of this yeah so day seven, I stopped all of my meds, all of my um, supplements, everything. I stopped the whole lot because I figured I'd read enough that I figured I'm never going to need this stuff again. And basically, I haven't looked back from then. So it's been nearly four years now. We did go through a range of changes in our lifestyle, I guess, over um, over the period of time. I was probably fully raw for about four months. And then I had to travel for work, and I figured it was going to be easier to get by if I could eat cooked foods as well. So we started uh, eating pretty much raw till four. So we're having basically fruit smoothies for breakfast and lunch mostly, and then cooked whole plant foods, no oil for dinner. What had happened sort of in the prelude to that was we had both been quite overweight, 
and we had decided uh, to lose weight by calorie restricting, as everyone does on the sad or normal diet, mm. as most people call it. We were both only probably eating about a thousand to twelve hundred calories a day and exercising quite a bit. Just crying yeah. with calorie You've heard restriction the story sadness. Yeah. yeah, it's misery. So, and we both did lose, you know, twenty-five-ish kilos each mm. um, by doing that, as you as you would. When we started, particularly when we started eating cooked food, um, and I think what happens is, of course, when you eat dead, decaying flesh diet, as uh, Doctor. Goldhammer says, you know, you, you don't actually have to eat a, a large amount of food to get enough calories. So when you eat just fruit, of course, most of it's water and the volume of food you have to eat is a lot to get enough calories. And, of course, our stomachs, you know, we needed to sort of retrain them to uh, to take a bigger meal, basically. So I think what happened was over four or five months, we eventually were able to eat more food and get enough calories in. Initially, we, when we were eating raw and not eating probably enough calories, we, well, I certainly lost, I, I can't remember what Lizzie happened with her, but I lost about 11 kilos, I think, in 11 weeks initially. And then when we started introducing the cooked foods and eating more, we started to put the weight back on. And both of us have basically followed the same pattern because we both did the same things before with the restriction. We were eating abundantly and the weight came back on, unfortunately. And, and it has been on both of us. We both basically got back to our maximum weight again, um, unfortunately. And the weight has been sitting on, on us for probably two years, a bit over two years but it is now finally starting to come off. Well, I think both of us have probably got 25 to 30 kilos still to lose yet. Mm. So we have never, ever, ever been so healthy. Mm. And as a 50-year-old man now, before I started uh, working so busily, I would regularly go for a six-kilometre walk, and I'd do that in about 50 minutes, uh, which is fairly quick pace. Not even half and puff, sweat plenty. And I could sit down for 10 minutes and go and do the same thing again and again. I just feel amazing. I, I haven't felt so energised probably since I was 20-something, maybe even before then. You know, whenever we exercise, the recovery is amazing. I haven't felt this good in my whole life probably. So it might be looking uh, unhealthy in the eyes of some people because we're still overweight. I, I tell people, you know, you when you feel this good, you're never going to go back to what you used to do. It's been an amazing story for me, and we've continued to learn. Both of us have, I, I tell people, I did a double major at uh, university in science. I tell people that I've done more study on plant-based nutrition in the last four years than I did for two degrees at university, and I think that's probably true. Lizzie's done the E. Cornell Dr. T. Colin Campbell plant-based nutrition certificate course. And, you know, she's a nurse, as she said earlier. I think what's been interesting for me is as we've gone through this learning, she has learnt to unlearn a lot of stuff that she was taught, just like the doctors you were talking about before in your own case where they've been indoctrinated into treating symptoms with pills and potions and medicines when food, in fact, is the answer. It's been an interesting time. We are both pretty knowledgeable. I don't think we claim we're expert, but we're pretty knowledgeable on plant-based nutrition. We have quite enjoyed helping people who aren't well recover their health. We did actually register a business several years ago called Food is Medicine, 
and our plan eventually, and unfortunately now that I'm in a busy role, it will be when we semi-retire, but our plan is to uh, to run the business called Food is Medicine and help sick people get their health back, basically. That's the, that's the plan. That's, that's the passion, I think. That's an awesome passion. I love the name. It's going to be a great business. So you have to just chop, chop and retire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, it was only last weekend. It was a long weekend over here last weekend. And we went down south. Uh, My parents live in Bustleton. um, And we've had the thinking, I guess, over the last year or two of semi-retiring down to Bustleton or nearby. And, in fact, we bought a property down there about, or four years ago with a plan to semi-retire it was about a thousand square meter property in in the town of Bustleton and the plan was to knock this old house over which we're renting out at the moment and put in a double story nice semi-retirement house with a nice big veggie patch and some fruit trees in the back and that plan's changed now to five or ten acres <laughs> with lots of fruit trees and a big veggie patch and we thought we could put a building up to with a kitchen and a training room to bring people to and maybe some chalets on the property and then while we were down south we were looking at 178 acre property thinking that we could have a whole bunch of avocado trees and lime trees and a bit of an orchard we, we've got a few ideas. We haven't enacted on those, but we will probably end up down south in something like five to ten years with a modest-sized property. And the aim is again to to set up facilities to, uh, to to help train people to get their health back. Basically, that's that's the goal. I love yeah. your goal. It's a brilliant goal. Thank it's, you. It's beautiful. We're looking forward to it. Well, I haven't said thank you, but thank you so much. That was really um, wonderful hearing your story because a lot of people, like when I first started getting the symptoms of fibromyalgia and that fatigue, everywhere you go and you listen out, which is why I made this, want this, want this podcast and this book, because it's not just, you don't just have to have heart disease, can you don't want to wait to get heart disease, cancer, multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. It's when you start to feel just shit. The status quo, the homeostasis that they live in is just meh, you know, I feel yeah. meh. Yeah. Yeah, most people wake up in the morning, they're tired, they need coffee. I hate... Most yeah. people are just tired. They're just well, tired even, all the time. Yeah, even before I got sick, you know, we would wake up with aches and pains in the morning. Yeah, we're now, that, Lizzie was that. only in her late 30s. I was in my early 40s. Chronic, I had terrible neck ache and shoulders and headache all the we time. We sleep well. You're taking, you know, two Nurofen and two Panadine regularly together just to manage my headaches. Go to the chiropractor and physio all the time, spend a fortune. And now, we don't get I, I can't tell you the last time I even took a Panadol. No. Uh, I don't get headaches. I don't get neck aches. Even if I do, they don't become a headache anymore. Yeah. It's all to do with the food. And we Dr. sleep Clapper, so much better, It's hey? the food. Yeah. It's so, um, yeah, we sleep fantastic mm. uh, most of the time when I haven't got work stuff going through my head. Yeah. Uh, all of those issues, you know, have completely disappeared. We used to be the doctors routinely getting prescriptions yeah, and blah, blah, blah. Sick all the time. We don't go to the doctors anymore. We uh, The only time we go to the doctors now is when we want a blood test. Yeah. To uh, see how healthy we are. Yeah, <laughs> so... We, you know, again, we're not spending money on supplements on uh, other than vitamin B12. We're saving a fortune, and yeah. we're eating 
rice, beans, potatoes, oats, lentils. It doesn't get cheaper, so we're saving a fortune on doctors, prescriptions, no alcohol anymore, um, and the food bill's never been cheaper. And we've never felt better. So we're winning. Win, win. Oh, I love hearing these stories. Thank you so much. Elizabeth. Yes. Share, share with us. So my story isn't really as much about myself as it is about my daughter who was Mm. chronically ill. Mm. So when she was 13, she was very sick for about a good eight, nine months with symptoms of abdominal pain and diarrhea intermittently, so not always together. So we would think maybe it was her period or maybe she'd eaten something. We'd ever put two or two together. And this went on for about nine months. She was tired all the time, and so we ended up having a blood test. And the final blood test was all her counts were really out of whack and showed that there was something wrong with her. Because I work as a nurse, uh, one of the doctors gave me a referral to a, a gastroenterologist, and he figured that she might need to have a colonoscopy just to have a look to see because the symptoms were gastrointestinal because she was having abdominal pain and diarrhea that we would that would be the first thing we would do we would look at her um, at her colon and her bowel and, and see if there was anything there so when she was 13 14 she ended up having a colonoscopy which gave her a diagnosis straight pretty much straight away of Crohn's disease as a nurse knew about Crohn's disease but had no idea about Crohn's disease and so I had to learn pretty quick what it was what what the the management plan was of it because obviously I was I was in that medical industry and I was going to doctors because that's what you do when you're sick you go to the doctor you don't there's no other option there's not no other these things are not curable that's what you're told as a nurse and that's what you're told as a patient so we went to the doctor at the hospital where I work. That was good. And he basically said, you know, we can manage this. We'll get her on some drugs, which will decrease the inflammation in her bowel and we'll stop the bleeding and stop the pain and stop the diarrhea. So we were like, okay, that's, um, you know, is there any cure? No, there's no cure. They don't know what causes this disease. All we can do is manage it. And, you know, one of the questions in that first consultation we asked was what what should she eat? Is there something that she can eat that will help? And basically we were told there was nothing that she could eat that was going to have, was going to make any difference to her disease. Um, What she could do was to um, reduce the symptoms, so the diarrhea and the pain and bloating and bleeding, to eat low-fibre foods because it was would cause the least irritation of her bowel. And so, of course, that's what we did. We followed the doctor's directions and we took the really high-dose steroids. That is what is prescribed for people with chronic inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's. And these drugs, she was on them for months. They didn't really do anything. So then we went up to the next drug and she was on mesalazine, it's called, which is a pretty high anti um immunosuppressant so basically it suppresses her immune system so that her body doesn't have that inflammatory response so she still has the disease but she's not getting the the the, the symptoms because her body's not it's blocked yeah. so basically that really wasn't doing anything as well so then they gave her a stronger drug which was actually a chemotherapy drug oh. which a side effect of that chemotherapy drug was possible lymphoma which is cancer so that was a side effect of this drug and we were like 
Oh, my God. So I think she took it for a week and she was having really bad side effects. Like she was sleeping, she had lethargy, couldn't get out of bed. So we were like, let's stop that one. I didn't even want her to take it really. So she took that one for a week and then they put her on a different one and then a different one. So she ended up, it was over a year of just trying these drugs. Nothing was working. Nothing was putting a dent in it, even the high-dose steroids, um, steroidal anti-inflammatories like prednisolone and budesonide, I think it was called. And so because we got to a stage where nothing was really working, the government will then subsidise a a drug called Remicade, which is given to people with rheumatoid arthritis, ulcerative colitis, so all these autoimmune and uh, inflammatory disorders. It costs about $3,500 an infusion, and what they suggest is every eight weeks she has an infusion and it, it suppresses her immune system and her inflammatory response so that she doesn't get the symptoms. And it worked really, really well for five years. And she took it. She didn't get rid of her symptoms, so she still had the bleeding and the pain and the diarrhea. They were just much, 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 much less. And as long as she kept going in and having every eight weeks that infusion, she managed to live a semi-normal life as a kid at school. She still missed many a day, but... She you know, still wasn't very well. No, but, but we were managing it. Was better. Than was better. Yeah. yeah, we got to about. This was all occurring while I was at home seeking B twelve. So. Yeah, so we got to about eighteen, nineteen, and she went over to Sydney to become a pastry chef. She went to the Le Cordon Bleu School of International Cooking, and she wanted to be a pastry chef. She did that. She went over there, and she. That was the year that we went vegan. In the beginning, she was here before she went to Sydney and she thought we were crazy. Yeah. She basically we, we thought we were cookies. mad that we, you know, that, oh, chicken's going to kill you. And, you know, little did she know that what we know now. But, yeah, she thought we were a little mad. So, anyway, <laughs> we we went on our path and she went to Sydney and she came back in June. Well, mind, mind you, I had gotten better. You know, she'd seen me get better from changing the diet, but she still thought we were nuts. Yeah. But and she was still very sick. Yes, but yours was chronic fatigue. Yes, I, I know do, that, you know. but nonetheless. And we didn't know what we know now yeah. then. We were still newbies learning, just learning yeah. so much. Mm. And so after six months, she came home for her birthday and for the, the holidays or the break between courses. I had talked to her about her Crohn's because she was in Sydney having infusions there because we had to continue them when she went there. Mm. And I said to her, from all that I've learned, Ali, if you're going to stop anything, just stop dairy because dairy is really inflammatory. It's, and I gave her all the information about it and she said, okay, Mum, I'll try. And so she did and she stopped it and she did notice an, a difference in her um, inflammatory responses and her diarrhoea had lessened and she felt better. Wow. She seemed to have a little bit more energy. She wasn't perfect or great mm. or anything like that, but mm. she felt a difference, which was good, and I was happy with that because that's all she was, you know, happy to do. And then in the September of 2014, so Tony and I had been vegan for maybe eight months, I went over to see her for a week to spend some time with her and um, where she was staying I I want you to watch Earthlings with me most vegans will know Earthlings is a very it's a horror movie I have to watch it like this yeah so did I so did I but but knowing my daughter and she wasn't going to change anything she ate for her health. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. 22, a young person. Now she is. But, oh, yeah, she's 19 then. But I knew 
that she might change it for animals mm. because she loves animals. Mm. And so we watched it together and we stopped it and started it. We listened to Gary Rocky's speech. Mm, um, yeah. And after watching it, she was like, that's it, Mum, I'm going vegan. And it wasn't for her health. It was for her the animals. She was like, I can't eat another animal. I can't drink milk. I can't eat eggs. And I'm like, great. I don't care how you become vegan just as long as you're vegan. <laughs> and so then she went vegan and she – in the beginning was not a whole food plant-based eater. She was a junk food vegan. She would eat whatever. Oreos and Doritos. (laughs) Yeah, well, she was probably a little bit healthier than that. But, you know, if it had oil in it, she didn't care. If it was fake cheese, she didn't care, just Mm -hmm. as long as it wasn't animal-based. So Mm -hmm. that was her. But she slowly just got better and better and better and better. Mm -hmm. And within a year, actually it was within um, eight months, she was like – maybe 80% better, but she wasn't completely right because mm. she wasn't eating the, yeah. the best foods for health, which is a whole food plant-based diet. And so we got to a stage, and she was still having the infusions because she was scared if she went off the drug that she would get sick again. Mm. She was really scared. Mm, yeah, anyway, yeah. we went to see her gastroenterologist, and he said, I want to do a colonoscopy and have a look. We had gotten her to start eating pretty much whole foods. Yeah, but it wasn't Completely well, not 100%, but most of her food intake was whole whole foods, and we got got her to cut out on or cut down on Orioles as well at that time. And she had improved markedly. Yeah, she was much better. So because she was much better and she wasn't having those symptoms anymore, the gastroenterologist did the colonoscopy and could not see any evidence of any Crohn's disease at all in her bowel anywhere. There's no sign of any disease, which is amazing. When she had not been in remission or um, well at all in that whole six years. But, of course, according to the specialist, it was the Remicade that had solved the problem, right? Mm. But she still wasn't right, and she still need, She felt like she still needed the Remicade. Anyway, mm. we suggested to the doctor that we go off the Remicade and see how she goes. Mm. And Ali was concerned that if she did, she would the disease would come back. And he said if it came back, she, she could go back on it. Mm. And so that was enough for her to go, okay, I'll try it. She was mm. happy with that. Mm. And since she's been off the toxic chemicals that they were putting into her body every eight weeks, she has got better and better and better and literally now has not a symptom of Crohn's disease. She doesn't get sick. She doesn't have bleeding. She doesn't have diarrhea. She had a lifetime in front of her of, you know, strictures and fistulas and surgeries and bowel resections and possibly even ileostomies, which is, you know, where you have the bag. And now she doesn't have any of that. She can live her life. She doesn't have to wonder where the toilet is so that she can rush up to the toilet. And I don't know if she understands the gravity of what she had in front of her and what she doesn't now as much as I do as a nurse and as her mother. But it's just it's mind-blowing that just just getting that toxic food out of her diet just gives the body time to heal. Literally just it's healed itself. So and, and even her, um, as we've said earlier to you, Corinne, she's lost uh, she's lost weight now. Uh, no doubt, some of that weight had to do with all the toxic crap that they they were injecting into and the her. Pres- yeah, the prescription, uh, as well as obviously the food she had been eating. She's just recently she's been running around probably six or seven k's at least, which you know she she was barely able to drag a bum out of bed before, a mm-hmm. bit like me. So. She looks healthier in her skin, her face, yeah. Yeah. Uh, her skin's improved a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a different person. 
I mean, she looked like death warmed up. She was like pale white, yeah. anemic, iron deficiency issues. So she would be having iron, iron infusions as well. well before. Now her blood's are fine. Yeah. Iron's fine. Everything's fine. It's just, all her numbers, all her inflammatory markers are normal. Her blood tests are all normal. Her cholesterol, everything is all normal. She has no abnormal anything. And meanwhile, my health had improved, as I said, very rapidly. And I, I was just getting better and better as well. My mother, she really thought I was going to die when I was sick. You know, I never felt like I was going to die, but I felt like I might be sick for the rest of my life. Yeah. She saw how well I got uh, after I changed my diet. And she, I guess, had always tried to eat what she thought was healthy, which included meat, dairy, and eggs. Yeah. But she didn't eat a lot of, you know, manufactured or takeaway junk food type foods ever in her life. And so she saw how well I got. She decided she would change her diet as well. And so we sort of coached her as to what to eat and send her recipes and, you know, would guide her over the phone. She's a few hours away from where we are. But she didn't have any major health issues. Well, she did. She had quite bad um, arthritis, particularly in her hands. And she also had almost constant sinus headache problems. Uh, she, she had had her sinuses scraped. A few years back, she's had trouble with the sinuses for, I don't know, probably 20-plus years. Mum was 68 when she changed her diet. She was reasonably uh, lean, always was reasonably lean. She was always energetic, uh, always very careful about what she ate. Probably didn't eat enough ever, but she was, you know, aside aside from the arthritis and the sinus headaches, physically good. she was in reasonable condition aside from those she two She didn't have high cholesterol or gastric reflux or heart disease or anything like that. Anyway, surprise, surprise, she has no arthritis anymore, completely gone, and that I don't know how long that took, but I think it was only a matter of it a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, no sinus headaches anymore, completely gone. She's now 71. She runs down. She lives in Bustleton, not far from the beach. She'll walk or run five or six k's down the beach uh, like a much younger person. She's also completely turned her life around now, uh, health-wise. As I said earlier, we've also helped quite a number of other people, largely through education around health issues. Uh, we, we've become ethical vegans now as well. Uh, have been for probably three-plus years now. It didn't take us long to make those connections. And, yeah, it horrifies us at what we used to contribute to. But at least we made the connection and we do get involved in some uh, activism from time to time. And I think we're going to do the Cuba Truth in a few weeks' time over here. We've got Joey Carbstrong from Adelaide mm. coming across. So uh, so we'll be going to join in with that. We've done quite a few activism uh, events uh, over the last few years. And we've met... Many, many, many wonderful people who have found the same pathway we have. Sometimes it's because of the animals and the ethics and sometimes for health. But we have a whole new circle of friends, yeah. uh, our old friends. I we guess we're still, we're still friends, but we hardly see them anymore. We have, you know, not many things in common anymore. Yeah, we've got lots of uh, new friends, um, many of them much younger than us because, uh, of course, <laughs> a lot of the vegan type uh, or a lot of people going vegan, I think, are from the younger generation through social media and through ethics more often than not. Um, but we've also met a number of people through having health issues uh, as well.
and we have been involved in a few events. Uh, I think you're aware that we've done the uh, we, we work with Lucy Stegley with the um, premier over here in Perth uh, oh, of What the Hell, what the hell? Mm. and we're, um, Lucy's invited us to uh, to do a repeat of that uh, when we're across in Melbourne in November, which we're super excited about to meet uh, Dr. Clapper. He's one of our heroes. Um, I'll get to meet you both when I'm so there. In person. So yeah, we've uh, we've met lots of you wonderful wonderful people. Generally, I have to say they're all very happy, healthy, compassionate people. I think all of us that are vegan are usually pretty passionate. We really enjoy that aspect. It's been great. It's been uh, the best years of our lives, I think. So oh, getting sick so was shocking at the time, but a blessing in disguise. Yeah, the best thing that ever happened. That's what I say. No one else says that. So getting yeah, MS was that. the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I said to I said Tony often, I'm glad you got sick because yeah. we would never ever have changed our diet. And, and I, look, I'm such all. a stubborn person. There's that, no uh, way he would have changed his diet. No absolutely way. not. If you had told me about um, plant-based diet and veganism before I got sick, I would have just laughed it off and yeah. said mm, bacon or something stupid like that because I was one of those meatheads just like many others out there but it was the sheer fact that I got so sick yeah. that that and I was desperate to get my mm. life back that uh, that that I've ended up where I where I am now and and it's the best thing that ever happened yeah you know? and since changing the diet and Tony getting well and my daughter getting well some of the colleagues at my work who obviously don't believe any of the things I say because diabetes is incurable. And, but when they can't dispute that Ali doesn't have Crohn's disease anymore. And one of, one of the two nurses, well, there are two nurses that have changed to a plant-based diet. They're vegan now. Um, one was because she was so interested in learning about the information and gaining the knowledge more than anything else. But the other nurse was shocked that Ali doesn't have Crohn's disease and then she wanted to know more so it was because Ali got better that she questioned everything and since then we've both helped educate them and now they're both vegan as well and their families are vegan and their children are going vegan. I was just going to say one of the nurses uh, brought her two daughters her adult daughters to what the hell premiere here in Perth and they're both now vegan Um, so you know, I, I guess it, it's really nice. To, I, I think we get quietly chuffed about the idea of helping people find the light for one of, one of a better term. I always uh, think of myself as a vampire converting people. <laughs> just, yeah, just slowly. Just, just slowly. Like, like, yeah. Although I tell you my husband that I'm like erosion. I said, I'm just going to wear away at you slowly. <laughs> It's interesting because my my mum has found it really tough because my my dad equally saw me go from getting very sick to very well and his his attitude sounds a bit like maybe your dad I think from what you were alluding to earlier was oh that's great that worked for you and that's terrific because you know he's seventy one as well and he doesn't have any illness that makes him feel ill he has regular headaches and those sort of things, but, you know, nothing in Nurofen doesn't fix right. So, but meanwhile, uh, he's from a family of originally nine and about five of his older brothers and sisters have all died from heart disease in one form or another. You know, I think probably what saved him at this stage is that because mum, again, was, you know, she was the cook at home. 
she was reasonably healthy with what we ate at home. It was a bit like, I think, your story earlier. When I left home, I made up for lost time eating junk food and twisties mm. and, you know, crap food. And I put weight on progressively as a result of that until eventually I got sick at 44. So, um, so Dad thinks he's bulletproof. Uh, and I keep reminding him that uh, one out of two people die from their first heart attack. Keep saying to him, I hope you're one that survives and maybe you might listen to me, you know, when you survive that. He's just like I am, unfortunately. He's a stubborn bugger and um, it, it's only when he's got no choice that he will consider change. So it's been tough for my mum um, and, you know, we, we're very lucky because it's the two of us now at home and we eat the same way and it makes life a lot easier. We failed to mention earlier that the younger daughter who wanted to go vegan uh, in the first instance, pretty much went vegan about the day we did, or, or very soon after. Yeah, as soon as she so, could. <laughs> so she was very That's happy so that awesome. uh, we made that decision. So, And she also is a very healthy person. She's a whole food plant. So we're all now pretty much whole plant food eaters, yeah. no, no oil, no yeah. salt, mum included, and um, never felt better. Yeah. Did you thank your assistant? Did you say thank God for that Vitamix and <laughs> that, that smoothie all those years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. That's These days we don't have so many smoothies, but. Um, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, it, it was, that was kind of the trigger. Yeah. Crazy mm. as it seems, that's what it was. I can't even imagine your poor daughter in those getting boyfriend stages of, or girlfriends or whoever, get those, that 13 to 19. Being that unwell, like I was tired, yeah. but that's like it's embarrassing type yeah. of an illness, which so really is, crush it would be so crushing on your little ego when you're just yeah. a teenager. Yeah. Oh. It was year nine. It was year nine all the way through to year twelve and after. And you know, I think she lost a lot of friends, girlfriends. She was at a co-ed school, and I think the the girls didn't really comprehend what the problem was you know they would say oh i thought i have to have my appendix out and ali would think in her head you know that's a surgery and then you're better she used to get really cross at them because they didn't understand and no one would bring her and say you okay because to look at her she looked fine she Mm -hmm. didn't look i mean she did look unwell but you know she didn't have any anything out of place you know she looked she didn't it was it was invisible to them yeah it's an invisible disease one of the very hardest things of adopting this diet was yeah. who will hang out with me. You know, my friends know smoking, cake, chocolate, junk food eating, Korean. What am I going to mm-hmm. do when I go to their house now if I'm not out on the deck smoking and eating junk food and cheese plates with them? Yeah. Who's going to want to hang out with me? Did you find that very difficult at the start? When you before you made new friends, how did you find the isolation feeling of isolation? See, for me, I, I, it wasn't so much the isolation because I had been so sick, so I was isolated. You're already isolated, mm. and um, and also our families don't live in Perth with us. So mm. my family are all living in Sydney, and mm. Tony's family are down south in Bustleton. So mm. immediate, so we kind of are alone up here, apart from our own immediate children and things. Okay. We, there are, you know, apart from work, there isn't a lot of interaction with with Tony being so sick. I was going to say with my friends, I guess we're still friends, a lot of our friendship was around drinking culture. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and it went back, you know, a long time ago. 
and most of the social catch-ups were, you know, food and and, and mostly alcohol. You know, it was a bit, mm. we were reasonably big drinkers, I suppose you'd say. Yeah. It was interesting because my mates, they did know that I was sick and when I was well enough to go out, occasionally I would go down the pub and meet them and I'd have a water or a soda water water um, with lime or something in it. What was interesting was they were okay with that. That's great. You know, they accepted that because they knew I wasn't well and so no one gave me a hard time because I wasn't having a beer with them or whatever. They'd have their beer and I'd have my water and... Even now, occasionally, I, I don't go to the pub very often anymore, but occasionally I'll go down just to catch up with them and have a water with them. And, you know, it's, it's no not issue. Because it was health-related, there was yeah. no issue. Yeah. If we Makes just changed sense. for the animals and that was the reason we gave them, they could have given him some. What are your biggest tips? Like if you could give three tips to someone who starts out and they're like, I don't know where to begin, it all seems too hard, I love... Uh, but bacon, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. I. what would be three things that you would say that have really helped you? It's easy for us because we had that disease gun to yeah. our head. But for someone who just wants to try it but doesn't have a gun to their head right now, perhaps, or does have, doesn't that doesn't matter either way. Well, I didn't have a gun to my head. Yeah. I was kind of, I wasn't sick sick. I wasn't fantastic, obviously, but I wasn't like he was sick mm. and I would say if the first thing to do would be to get some information like actually read some stuff listen to some YouTube videos there's plenty of doctors on YouTube that have all the information so you don't have to read it you can listen there's nutritionfacts.org which is like a bible slash video epicenter that has you know you can look up gout or you can look up indigestion and there'll be umpteen videos on what nutrition is best to prevent that or to reverse that all based on science but educate yourself because if you educate yourself you have that information knowledge and once you know something you can't unknow it Mm. do you know what i mean i think it depends on which direction you're coming from if you're coming from an ethical stance then you know we talk to people in different you know for all different reasons whether it's ethical or for health so I think if it's for, for ethics, then it's kind of educating about what happens, you know, to the animals, how eggs are produced, you know, how baby chickens are ground up alive, um, how, you know, how the, the baby cows are taken away from their mothers, you know, almost instantly and killed for, for, for veal, uh, all that sort of thing. And so I think, I think it depend, the education depends on what makes that person tick and what, mm. what might make them change. I guess a lot of people we talk to, it's about health because they're interested in our story or, you know, we might, comes up in conversation one way or another, I guess, and because of what we eat or, you know, gee, what do you eat or, you know, why do you eat that or, you know, that, that sort of thing. So it often comes out of those conversations and we always take the opportunity to educate. Yeah, we, we have education. a couple of uh, emails that we threw up they probably really need to be redone and updated, but we did did them probably three three years ago. And you know, when we talk to people, if they're interested, we'll send them the emails uh, with links and information, with books and DVDs and YouTube documentaries and, and things like yeah. that, so that they can educate themselves. And we've got at home, we have a library of of books um, DVDs. and DVDs. You know, again, we've done a lot of research over the last nearly four years, we'll give them, you know, a list of uh, all our doctors that we, we follow 
Unfortunately, most of them are American. Dr. Barnard, Goldhammer, Essel- Clapper, McDougall, Esselstyn, T. Colin Campbell, et cetera, et cetera. So, and all their books and the documentaries that, that many of them are in. So mm. that's probably one tip, and I think that's key, is education. I think the next one for a lot of people who, you know, I, I've heard many people who, oh, yeah, I tried to be vegan once and, you know, it didn't work. But or, I, I needed protein because I was just too tired. So the education around that, you know, about protein, about calcium, about iron, all that sort of thing, where you get it from, you know, the, the biggest, strongest animals on earth eat only plants like gorillas and rhinos and elephants, blah, blah, blah. So there's that. But I think I think to get people to, to stick it, the diet, if you can get them to, to try the diet, and, of course, again, our education is about whole plant food, no oil, no salt. To get them to stick to it, that you have to teach them to eat, eat enough, enough calories. And to understand why they need to eat enough calories. Yeah, because if they, yeah, a lot of them try and eat the same amount or same volume of food they used to eat, and then they're tired and they, you know, they've got brain fog and so, uh, and they have cravings because they're not, they're hungry. They're not, they're not giving enough, themselves the enough nutrients that they yeah, need. And not getting enough calories or nutrients. So we, we try and teach them to eat enough calories. We usually tell them to download chronometer onto their phone or their computer, not to count calories, but to just get used to how much you've got to eat to get enough calories. And to understand what foods have what nutrients. And, so what, and what level of calories? As an example, is. last week someone was saying, oh, kale and spinach are really good for you. And I actually showed them on this app that's called Chronometer mm. that a head of baby cos will give you over half your omega-3 needs for a day. It has that much. And it has every nutrient and vitamin in it, whereas kale and spinach really don't have nearly anywhere as much as cos lettuce. It's crazy. I never Cold knew wet. that. That's and, amazing. And potatoes as well. I mean, everyone thinks potatoes are bad. White potatoes. You know, the, the, the carbs, I love carbs, potatoes carbs, so much. I mean, our most regular meal for dinner is potatoes. Um, we peel potatoes. Sometimes we don't peel them. We, we cut them into them. chips. Uh, we have a whole oven tray each, probably about 1.2 mm-hmm. kilos of potatoes is what I eat at least. We just dry bake them on baking paper, no oil, and I make my own chilli sauces at home. Sometimes we'll have cos lettuce and we'll just dip it all in the sauce and eat, you know, over kilos of potatoes. That's the dinner. Potatoes have got basically every nutrient that you require in them. Andrew Spudfit Taylor, who will be in Melbourne when we're there, um, you know, he lived on potatoes for for a year year. every meal. Uh, He lost 55 kilos, I think. He lost his depression. He lost a whole bunch of other baggage. And uh, I love potatoes. Yeah. Potatoes are great. Yeah, they're, so, the they're the best. They're the best. But people just, I think it's educating them about eating enough calories. And I think the very next thing I teach them, or we would teach them, is to clean their kitchen out yeah. and get rid of all the That's... dead, decaying flesh and cow pus and cheese Eggs. and. Eggs, and anything processed, you know, stuff, look at the ingredients. If it has a chemical or an E number or something that yeah. you wouldn't need a spoonful of, get it Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, that's a, that's a big thing. I, because of my chronic fatigue and, and, you know, the learning that I had toxins. with a naturopath was about removing toxic substances mm. from the diet. Mm. So, you know, unfortunately, when we do go to the supermarket, which is a pretty rare event these days because uh, we mostly go to the fruit and veg shop, 
but when we do go to the supermarket, we you know sometimes we'll buy canned beans or because it's convenient. Um, canned tomatoes, tin mm. tomatoes. Um, mm. We're in there reading labels for quite a period of time. It's not anything man-made, or we can't pronounce, or in a number of any, or natural colours or natural flavours. We put it back. We don't take it because who knows what natural is? Beaver anal gland. Could be Other beavers, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Exactly. Or crushed up beetles. Oh, you know, just to recap, it would be mm-hmm. education, yeah. eating enough calories, yeah. and not just to empty out your pantry, detox your pantry. Clear, clear all the crap out. Clear out the crap. Yeah, and make sure you've got abundance of whole plant foods in the kitchen so that if you are craving, that's that's all you can eat because that's all you have. Yeah. Right. We probably threw out I don't know oh, five hundred dollars worth of bags and what, bags. What we used stuff. to call food. And half the stuff that was in there was all out of date by like five or six years. But you know but we, we weren't eating it we anyway. Threw the, we threw the lot out. Yeah. And we went and started all over again. Yeah. Um, that's some of the things we help people with is even just teaching them which brands of cans to buy that don't have chemicals in, don't have salt in. You know, I actually have on my phone a collection of photos of all the different foods we have in our cupboard. And, in fact, a few people that we've tried to help, we've had them come here to yeah. have a look at our kitchen. Yeah, just so they can see what foods we have. and What what uh, machi- what machinery we have, like the blender. Or we've even, we've, nowadays we've bought our own bread maker so we can make our own bread from whole flat whole grain flour. Because it's really hard to find um, bread that mm, isn't made from whole flour. We bought a super powerful mm. food processor. So mm. one of our favourite meals at the moment is sausage rolls made from plants. Whole um, plant, whole plant. So we had sausage roll. Yesterday was the Australian Rules footy grand final. Um, big thing for us. And you, and, probably. Uh, probably yeah. you. We watched the Tigers win, which was fantastic. Awesome. And we had sausage rolls and chips for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Can't get more Aussie than that. Sausage roll and chips. Hey. Can't get more Aussie than that. That's no. right. That's right. But ours were healthy. Thank you so much, Tony and Elizabeth, for taking the time to share your incredible stories with us today. I can only imagine what it must have been like to live with Crohn's disease as a young woman. What an amazing message of hope to those out there who are also suffering with this condition. If you'd like to hear more from Tony and Elizabeth, you can purchase tickets to hear them speak at the What the Health Symposium with Dr. Michael Clapper on November 19th in Melbourne. For tickets to this event, see the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, we have on the podcast neuropsychologist Dr. Ash sharing her experience with a low-fat whole food vegan diet and how she believes this way of eating can help reduce symptoms of depression, anxiety, increase empathy, and improve overall mental health. See you next week.